is you're watching whenever you're watching. And how are you doing today, Joe? That's not the question we agreed to. No, it's not. That's not the question. <laughs> no, it's not. We just talked about this. I know. Ago. I know I did. So how is your mother-in-law? Thank you. Yes. Uh, so uh, she's doing good. My mother-in-law had, uh, she's got oral cavity cancer and she had surgery on Friday and uh, they had to remove part of her tongue and reconstruct it with some part of her arm. Not to get, uh, that's about all I know. Uh, she, it was like 10 hours of surgery, and she came out of it doing pretty well. Good. And uh, Vanessa's flying out on Friday for a couple of weeks to take care of her. But thank you for asking. <laughs> I've been praying for her and you yes, and, and all of that. And, yeah, that's been on my mind. So I just had to get you a little bit. So instead of a, the, I'm not going to ask you how are you, but uh, have you felt rested this week? No. No, <laughs> I have not. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, it's hard to find rest e e this season. It feels like even in the midst of doing almost nothing. Yeah. And it's not like I do almost nothing. It's no, you're busy. I you're think re rest requires peace, too. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think you have to embrace some semblance of peace before you can really rest. I haven't been very good about that. I don't know about you all, but... Uh, have I you mean, guys I felt rested lately? No? Well, fine for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Restful, maybe just weary. Yeah, this is, yeah. A, this is a time where a lot of people are weary. They're weary of so many things. Yeah. And, um, and I bring that up because that's kind of the point of the sermon today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. And so um, when we get to, you know, I look at that. But it's all about Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of rest. And he wants to give people rest. And so I was thinking about rest this week. I have had a very not restful week. I've been planting Arbovita. Oh. I did, how much did we do? 28 of them this week. That is 27 more than I would ever attempt. Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I had this all week, this, like, I have to get this done. I have to get this done, as my family will attest that I was a little, ah, this week of things I had to get done, when I had to get to done. So I, it has not been a restful week. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that people around you also felt the lack of rest, boys, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I was just, yeah. I mean, exhausted, exhausted for like three days. And so. Yeah. And I'm sure that you were really a delight to be around at that time, right? <laughs> I think I was actually okay, considering. Yeah, I, I'm sure you felt fine about it. Yeah, <laughs> I could have been worse. And I know that, you know, you haven't been restful either. And you've done a great job of, of containing your grumpiness. Well, in the same way that you think you did a fine job, I think I did okay. Yeah. I don't have family here to do this. <laughs> hey, let's move on let's to, move on um, to yes. announcements. Yeah. Let's move on to announcements. Um, what were s we had two announcements. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Next, is it next Saturday? Yes. Next Saturday is the trick, uh, wait, how do you say it? Treat Trail. Oh. Right there, Harvest drive through Treat Trail. What a, this is just, to me, was the coolest idea. When this came through my email, I was so excited about it. The idea that, well, we've been talking in our house. What's Halloween going to look like this year? And obviously, this is before Halloween. But the idea that dress up the cars, you know, decorate those and have kind of a safe place for the kids to come through and, mm -hmm. and get, you know, bags of candy pre-prepared. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope people will participate in that. I think it's just a... It's a really neat idea. And it's uh, 2 to 4 on Saturday. Yep. Are you going to be there? Mm-hmm. So we're not playing on Saturday. 
it's completely sidebar, sidebar there. So, um, but as far as this goes, yeah, if, if share it, talk to people that you know that, that have kids to do this. We're doing it the week earlier so it doesn't interfere with Halloween itself. Um, also, um, if you know any businesses there, we already have a couple of them that are they're going to be there. Um, but this is for the community. It's not just for us. We're just trying to, to provide a safe place for kids to have some kind of a Halloween thing. Yeah. So um, that's, that's this next week. That's a great idea. It I'm, is a great I'm really week. grateful for that. Yeah. And then a week later, on uh, we have uh, 24 hours of prayer. We have or 24? 12. 12. 12. But it's a sign-up. You, you can do it at home. Uh, I think we have we have a sign-up sheet out there. If you want to only do like 30 minutes, because I know that's hard to pray sometimes for an hour, um, but we'll give you lots of uh, things to think, to, to pray over. But this, you know, if we think about all the news that's going on, the, the election, the riots, the COVID, this is a time to really be praying for our nation, for our communities, for people. Mental health is just trashed right now. Yeah. Um, we really need to be praying for the for our for our country for the world and so that's what the focus is on this but i want to encourage all of you out there wherever you are um some of you i know watch all over the, the country all other places in the world you can do it right there you just need to let us know when you want to pray next saturday and we can fill in that 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 slot for you so and i'm going to commit like right now that i'm going to do at least an hour of worship where people can tune Great. in and we can worship uh, together. I don't know. I'm not sure how, uh, whether it's Zoom or something. But, yeah. but that way, if you have an hour of prayer, that we can do it together uh, that way through worship. And you could do it for, and you could sign up for a couple of different times. You know, maybe you want to do a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour in the evening or something like that. So I just really encourage you guys to do that um, because, again, we really got to be praying for our country right now. So those are the two announcements. That's the topic for the day. I think we just need to pray and get going. Let's get going. All right, yeah. Father God, thank you so much for, for, for your blessing on us. Thank you for the day that we're celebrating. This is the day that you have made. This is the day we celebrate your resurrection, Jesus, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the peace that comes from, from knowing that you are alive, Christ, that you are risen, that you are bringing us home, and you will bring us to that day where we will we will celebrate in your presence where death will be no more, tears will be no more. Thank you so much for that. Now, I pray that you would help us to worship, help us to praise, to help. May there be no technical problems, no distractions at home or here, that people can really engage with you and they can meet you because I know you want to meet with them. So meet with them now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. God, I am grateful sometimes that you don't give us options. <laughs> God, that occasionally in your way you say, go lay down. Sit. Breathe. Rest. that you have our best interests in mind, that you know our needs better than we possibly could. Perk up our ears. We need to hear you, and we need to submit to your direction. 
only then can we live the way you have asked us to, that we can carry out carry out your plan for this world, that we as your instruments can carry out this plan. We may hear you this morning, every day, that each breath is in response to the blessings that you have poured on us and that we listen and rest. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're almost at the end that we are. This is the end of chapter 2. Um, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking about rest. We're going to be talking about how um, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, and Sabbath means rest. Are you tired? You know, I was, I don't remember if it was you, Joe, or somebody else was saying that sometimes um, when people are attacking you today, it's because there's something going on in their own life. And right now, I think a lot of people just feel t worn out by 2020, you know? The lockdowns, COVID, all the unrest, political ads. I mean, <laughs> we're tired. And in addition to that, you know, our society, it seems like it does overvalue busyness. You know, it's a compliment to s almost to say, or, yeah, how you doing? Well, I'm really busy, right? Like, I'm doing something. And it seems lazy, doesn't it, to say you're not busy. Um, and it's as if busyness is a good thing compared to rest in our society. And I wonder why that is. Now, rest, as, as Joe mentioned again, you know, sometimes you could, you, your rest seems, it can be a couple of different ways. You can be t physical. Maybe you're physically tired. Then you need to sleep. Sleep. But sometimes sleep isn't enough because you're emotionally tired, because you're spiritually tired. And that's what we're going to be talking about today and how this all wraps together. Let me take a moment and pray for, for us. Father, help me to preach your word. I pray that you would help me to say what you have to say here today. So that us weary humans would find the blessing, the refreshment that you have for us. Grant us the faith to trust you. And again, as I, as I often say with all this, this world, with so many competing voices for, for truth, for the, the right narrative, etc., that, that we need to hear from you. We really don't need to hear from me. But they need to hear, we all need to hear from you, Jesus. And so I ask that you would help me to say your words today. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be what you want us to, to hear. Come in and come, you who are the eternal word, take this written word and make it alive by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you think of your relationship with Jesus as rest? I don't think I do. Is it restful? Or is it work? Is Christianity meant to be work or rest? 
Well, in this text today, we're seeing Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath. And it all starts off here in, in, with these, 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 these people who are coming to Jesus and they're complaining about something his disciples are doing. And his answer is going to be a little hard to follow, but I'm going to try to help, it, help you understand what it means. But he, he's going to essentially say, I'm where the rest is. Come to me. Believe in me, trust in me, and I will give you rest for your souls. Here's the start, verse 23. I'm in Zechariah. Good night. I'm like, that doesn't look right. Let's flip over to Mark. There we go, verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, they're breaking the law by, by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Now that's the setup. That's just the setup. Jesus is walking around, going, going from one place to the other. And you know the, the, the Jews at the time, they had an elaborate description of laws of what you could and you could not do on the Sabbath day, which is Sabbath, which is a Saturday on the seventh day of the week. And, and among them was you couldn't travel very far, you couldn't carry a dish very far, you couldn't clean, you, and you could not harvest. And they're, they're thinking that them walking through a field and literally just taking up a couple, couple of pieces of heads of grain and eating them, you're harvesting. And so that's work. And this is what religion does, is it makes all these rules. Rules do not make people good. They don't. But this is what's happening here. And they're like, what's, why are you doing this? Now, Jesus has an unusual kind of answer, an answer that doesn't, it does seem to make sense, but it, when you really look at it carefully, it doesn't, unless you really understand what's going on. So let me look at Jesus' answer here. Jesus' answer starting the next verse. Jesus said, to them, haven't you ever read the scriptures that David, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went to the house of God during the days of Abathar, who, who was high priest, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only priests were allowed to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Now that's in 1 Samuel, and it's, it's not really helpful to go back. What Jesus said here is enough. He goes, David goes into the temple, he's on the run from Saul, um, he's desperate, right? And he goes into the temple and the priests allow him to eat some bread that was only supposed to be there for the, for the priests. Now that's just straight up, he, he is not supposed to eat this, and yet he does, and his companions do. He breaks the Torah, he breaks the laws. So Jesus is saying, hey, David did that. So I can. Like, is Jesus saying you can, anybody can break the laws? Well, no. On one hand, he's arguing that it's okay. But why is it okay? His argument is this. David can do it because it's David. David's allowed. If we go back and re to read it, nowhere is David condemned or criticized for doing something that is clearly against the law. 
So why can't I do it then? Because I'm not David. But, Dave, but Jesus is saying, look, I'm like David. David can do it, and so can I. In fact, I'm greater than David. If David can do it, so can I, says Jesus. That's his argument. That's his entire argument. Is he makes an analogy between himself and David. And because David did it, maybe you need to realize that I'm this David that's coming. It taps into this entire thing that's going on in the Old Testament. About there's a David that's coming. This, this, this new person that's like King David that's going to come. And it starts in places like 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now I have that in here. In 2 Samuel 7, says, the background of this is David wanted to build a temple for God. And God says, this is God's answer. And he says, no, you're not going to do it. Instead, for when you die and you are buried with your ancestors, you're going to die. And after that, I'm going to raise up one of your offspring, one of your descendants, one of your children. And he is going to, he's going to build the temple. He's going to, I'm going to make his kingdom strong. Next verse. He's the one that's going to build the temple. And I will secure his royal throne forever. It's going to have an eternal throne. Next verse. And then he's going to be like a father to him. He's going to be a son of God. Start hearing the connections, maybe? So this is where it starts. And this promise here connects to a lot of other ones in the Old Testament. It connects all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 at the beginning where the world got messed up and God said, somebody's going to come who's going to fix it all. And then that goes to, Je to Abraham and to Isaac and then to Jacob. We can see these in Genesis 12, Genesis 20, Genesis 49. And there's this series of promises that come throughout the Old Testament leading up to this point here uh, that there's a Messiah coming, a, a, a special guy who's going to fix all things, who's going to restore the world, Res fix it. And so Jesus is saying, I'm, one of, I'm this guy, I'm the Messiah, when he's connecting himself to David. It's the idea, I'm going to be the one who brings the blessing. I'm the one who brings the restoration. I'm going to bring renewal, which connects to a couple other things. See, because the, the, the prophets pick up on this promise right here, and they talk about it in a lot of other ways. Among them is, is Jeremiah 23. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David. Connecting to that previous one. And he will be a king who rules with wisdom, and he will do what's just. He's going to be a blessing to, to the world. He's going to be a blessing to his kingdom and throughout the entire land. Next verse. And this will be his name, the Lord our righteousness. And in that day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will, be, will live in safety. He's going to bring blessing. There's a David that's coming. Somebody who's one of David's children who's going to be our righteousness. Well, this continues in other places. One of them is, is Isaiah 52, 53, where it says, See, my servant will prosper. 
he will be highly exalted. And then if, if we follow that, that, this prophecy down a little bit to 53 verse 5, it says, And he will be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment brings us peace will be on him. By his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, the servant, this David figure that's coming. He's going to bring atonement. He's going to fix not just the world. He's going to fix people's relationship with God. This is all that what Jesus is tapping into when he says the statement, I'm like David. I'm the guy who's going to bring the, the blessing to you. I'm the one that's going to bring restoration to you. And if I, to really connect all the dots, we could go to Zechariah chapter 6. This is, a pro, this is a vision that he had where Jesus is, 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 is describing, and God is describing to, to this prophet this vision that he has. And he says, accept these people's gifts, make a crown out of them, and put the crown on the head of Yeshua, which is the same name as Joshua, which is also the same name of Jesus. But this Jesus, this Joshua, is a high priest. He's, but he has a crown, so he's king and he's a priest. He's both. And what is he going to do? Tell him this is what the Lord says of the armies. Here is the man called the branch, the stump out of Judah, the, 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 the descendant of David, and he will build the temple. Okay, so, so the point I'm trying to get at this point, this, this David, greater David that Jesus is tapping into is just, He's going to bring the blessing. He's going to bring renewal. He's going to fix relationship with God. All of that is what Jesus is tapping into. But what does that have anything to do with the Sabbath? Well, let's look at the next verse here. Back in, back in chapter Mark. Haven't you ever read the scriptures, verse 25, that David was hungry and he went to the house of God, right? And he does all of this. And then Jesus said, the Sabbath was made. Well, no, 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 I don't want to get there yet. The issue is the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath day? It begins actually before Exodus. But here's the primary. This is from the Ten Commandments. It's, the, it's one of the first commandments in the Ten Commandments. And it says, remember and observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And then he explains what it means. The next verse. You have six days to work. On the sixth day, you stop. The seventh day, you stop. You don't work. You don't do normal work. And it's supposed to be a day that you set aside to worship. This is the day, the seventh day, that they're supposed to go to the temple and they do their sacrifices and they praise this is where the time they do those kinds of things. And it's connected to this, this idea of, of, of being with God in, those, in that day. It's a day where you don't try to take care of your own needs that day. It's not that you don't do anything. It's that you don't do normal stuff. And it's connected to both creation and slavery. Creation, because of the seven days of creation. The seven days of creation. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, 
excuse me, one and two, God created the whole world in what? Six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And here in, in, in Exodus 31, God connects those two things. The people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of covenant with my people. Why? Because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped. He was refreshed. The Sabbath is supposed to be refreshing. It's supposed to renew. I mean, think about what refreshing means. Just to give you a, a little bit of an analogy, let's say you run. Now, if you are fresh, you can run a long way, maybe. But let's say you're not fresh. Well, then you're not going to run very far, right? You're tired. So, but what happens if you get refreshed? You can run like you did when you weren't tired. That's what refresh, it's supposed to bring you back to what you originally were, refreshed. And that's what the, this is for. And it's connected to this whole idea of God worked, created everything, and then on the seventh day, he stopped working. Now, he didn't mean he stopped doing anything, but it's about, this is the day of refreshment. It's also connected to slavery in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Remember when you were on slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you up out of the strong hand, out of the powerful arm. This is why God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. See, back in Egypt, they had to work constantly. And could they worship God as, they, as God wanted them to? Well, no. So he's saying, this is, this is about out of my salvation from you, you are meant to come into the place where you can relate to me rightly and, and not have to have the oppression and the hard work that you were once forced upon you. That's what this day is for. Sabbath is huge for Jewish people. It's huge in the Old Testament. They are a people of the book, but they're also a people of time. It's about seasons and days. There's a cycle of life that God's instituting, that you should be doing all that you normally do six days, and then the seventh day you, you take a break. You stop. And this, this extends more than just on a seven-day cycle. It goes much bigger than that. It's much bigger than just people. The land is supposed to have a break. We can see this in places like Leviticus 25, where, where God says when they get in there and they get into the land, there's supposed to be a, 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 this huge, long cycle of rests that are supposed to happen. And it says here in Leviticus, starting in 1, this is what Moses was told to tell the people. Next verse. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land, I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest. Not just people, the land must rest every seventh year. So they're supposed to work the land seven year, six years, and then the seventh year, you don't do it. Which, by the way, on a side note, modern farming has realized that works. It's called crop rotation. You don't, you don't keep working the same bit of land over and over and over and over. It wears out. So you give it a, a rest about every seven years. But it goes beyond this. It continues after this. Every seven years, the, the, a particular part of land should just rest. 
But then he goes on, if we go a little bit further down this, as he continues to explain this down to verse 8. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your harvest and harvest your crops, right? Next verse. But during the seventh year you must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. This is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune them in your vineyards during this, that year. Okay? That's what we're supposed to do. In addition, count off seven Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years. In other words, 49 years. So every 49 years, seven sevens, everything stops. Then on the Day of Atonement, atonement again, it's this, this annual day where, where all of Israel would come together and they would have this big moment where they would get right with God. Starting on that day, there would be a huge day of rest, a whole year of rest. Blow the ram's horn throughout the, long, throughout the land. The next verse. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom, slavery, Throughout the land, for all who live there, it will be called a jubilee year for you. And each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors or belonged to return to your clan. So every seven years, you have a rest. Every six, six days, after six days, you have a rest. Every seven years, you have a rest. Every 49 years, you have a rest. And these are all about refreshment. It's all about atonement. And it's about restoration. Notice what happens here, and I could talk about this a lot more detail. I'm going fast. But the point is, in, in this Jubilee year, everybody's land went back to the original owner. Nobody in, in ancient Israel ever permanently owned somebody else's land. This is the year where everything gets reset. It's about going back to the original. It's all about renewal. That's what the idea is. And do they work for this? No. It's an appointed day where they should stop and trust that God's going to provide for them the previous year that they have enough. And I get that. Sometimes we worry about where if we, we have to keep working or I'm not going to have enough. I got to work six days a week, seven days a week. I got to put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Otherwise, I just don't have enough. And what God's saying is stop. Are you going to trust that I'm going to take care of you for that one day a week, that one year every seven years? Stop working. It's an appointed day of being blessed, being made right with God, renewal of all things, and it's a day you need to trust. And all of these are the same things that the Messiah is supposed to bring you. Remember, Jesus is the one who brings atonement. Jesus is the one that brings the blessing. He's the one that's going to restore things. All of the same things that are promised that the Messiah will bring is what Sabbath pictures. And there's the connection. He's the one that's going to bring the Sabbath rest to the world. Now that's what Jesus is doing in this in this in this text. When he says, "Why aren't you why aren't you doing all the work, these little religious details that you need to do?" And Jesus says, "I'm the one that's going to bring all that blessing. Stop trying. I got it." 
I'm the David that you've been saying you're looking for. I am the Lord of the Sabbath, which is the verse 27 and 28 in Mark. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to meet people, needs, the needs of people, not people to meet the needs of the Sabbath. Or in another version was saying, the Sabbath was not made for people, or people was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was for us. It's meant to be a picture. It's most meant to be a blessing to you. You're supposed to be blessed. And more than that, it serves me. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It is my servant. Jesus, the Son of Man, that's one of the titles we've had for him. The Sabbath, that whole idea is serving him. It's meant to be a blessing to you. That God wants to bring you a blessing. And it comes through Jesus. So what do we what do we what do we what do we rest from? You rest from trying to earn God's blessing. You rest from trying to earn his favor. You rest from from this, this constant needing to do. I am horrible at that. <laughs> I'm constantly saying there's things I gotta do. I gotta get this done, I gotta get that done. What do you really have to do? I mean, ultimately, is it not that, that God is going to take care of you? See, that's, that's, that's what this is getting at. That Jesus is going to provide for you. He's met your needs. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. How do we enter it? Well, there's Matthew 28, that Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary, heavy burdened. Why? Because you're trying so hard to get the things you need. And I'm going to give you rest. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about how do you enter into God's rest. It kind of talks about it in the negative sense, but here it is. For this good news, the gospel, that God has prepared for us this rest that's been announced to us just as it was to, and he's referencing these people back in, back in the Exodus who didn't enter into God's rest because they didn't trust. They didn't enter into the land. Why? Because they didn't have faith. They didn't listen. They didn't trust God to take care of them. And then if we follow that down to verse 9, it says, there, per, there is a day that's coming of rest available to you. Rest. And it's not just a physical rest. It's an emotional rest. And that day is coming. It's a little bit what's hinted at in Revelation 21, where Jesus says, I'm making all things new. I'm refreshing things. I'm restoring things through Jesus. You are right because of Jesus' sacrifice. So what are you working so hard for? What drives you? What's driving you? Well, I, I, that, 
I, I may be doing what's driving you, but I got three pointing at me. I, I, and a lot of times I feel pretty driven to accomplish something. Do you feel rested? You should. That's what Jesus is offering. In Him is the blessing. In Him is the blessing. In Him is the refreshment. But it takes going to Him and believing that He's provided for you. Just like six days you work hard, and then the seventh day, instead of working, you trust that that's enough. Six years, you work hard. And then in the seventh, you believe that in the, in the sixth year, God has provided all you need to rest. It takes trust. Otherwise, you're going to work. So, take a day off. Take a day off. What refreshes you? You don't have to work constantly. In fact, that's not how the world works. That's how you don't work. If you don't stop, you don't work right. It's like running without taking a breath. God's rules are not there arbitrarily. They're there, they're describing how the car works. And if you don't follow the rules, it's like putting diesel in an unleaded car. And we think we can do that, and well, yeah, well, it may not work very well, but it'll still run. And maybe we can really get a little farther. No, it actually destroys the car. Rest. What does it look like exactly? Well, what's restful to you? Maybe it's just not working seven days a week. Maybe on that seventh day you do something that's fun. Something you enjoy. Something that doesn't that, that re renews your, your heart and your spirit. Maybe it's something that's, that's maybe, maybe you need to just literally stop. I mean, literally stop and do nothing for a day. Some of us, we go, 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 go. And I'm doing this because that's what it's like. We're like, bam, got to keep going. Maybe you need to just stop. Go for a walk. Be with people. Because it'll help them. It'll help you. If you don't refresh, you can't refresh other people. Maybe it's having a very long, slow meal with your family. Remember how it used to be years and years ago? You'd have a Sunday dinner. Remember that? Where that Sunday was the day where you didn't do a lot, but you had this long, relaxing meal. Do that. Then, the rest of the week, you can really drive hard because you've refreshed. 
take a day off. For two reasons. One, because you need it. It's how the world works. But two, as, and just as important, it's a reminder that you're trusting God to take care of you. It's a reminder that Jesus is your Sabbath, that He is the one who's provided everything you need for your relationship with Him, for your future. That's why you rest. It's like like the fasting last week. Who fasted, by the way? Good. I did too. I needed coffee that day bad. It was hard. Okay? But you do it to remind you of your need with fasting, and this, it's to remind you that He's taking care of you. Take Take a rest. Always remember the why, that He's done it. And so I end with this. Do you think of your relationship with God as restful? Because He is your rest. He says, come, trust me that, have, that I've taken care of all that you need. I am your Sabbath rest. I've, I've, I've paid all the penalty for your sin. I've provided all the righteousness you need. He is our righteousness. I have provided your future. So no matter if you... If you don't get any of this stuff done, you think you've just got to get it done. It doesn't matter in the end. Oh, but you're gonna, i got to pay the bills. Are you not trusting that God can take care of you? It's not lazy. It's wise. Do something once a week that doesn't make you mentally tired, spiritually tired. Take a Sabbath, all right? And give thanks to the Lord of the Sabbath, that is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Everything you do is to bring blessing to us. You love us so much, and so you've instituted this long, significant time of taking a break to tell us that Jesus, that you've taken care of our needs. Help us to worship you, to give you thanks, to rest. So that when the, so when the day of rest is over, we can work even harder on those days and, and, and be more productive, but also to remember your goodness, that ultimately it is you that bring the blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Comments? I love the uh, the diesel analogy, but it led me to another one. We watched the British baking show in our house. Oh, we love that show. If you overwork bread, you destroy the gluten, and it won't stretch anymore. It'll just break. Hmm. And... I know for me, if I work too much or I don't give myself the right kind of a a rest that, like this morning, I'm inflexible, I am tense, it doesn't take very much to set me off. And um, I don't bake, but I do watch it on TV. And uh, 
And everybody's different for what's restful. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it should be a day of rest. And we're going to talk, we're actually going to talk about this more next week, too, because Jesus continues this, this theme in the next piece. But you need to rest. Joe, take a break. Yeah, well, my mom just tried to call me. <laughs> just like literally. Right now. Well, I'm going to let you finish the sermon, the service. <laughs> oh, the so, uh, there's, there's part two of the sermon. We're going to do, uh, we're going to do this new song one more time. And, uh, and then we'll take communion, okay? I hear somebody out there singing. <laughs> Anybody recall the last words of Jesus on the cross? Well, nearly the last. It's finished. All the work is done. You know, religion is not what we have. Religion's all about work, 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 work. You got to do this, 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 and this in order to earn the favor of God. But Jesus is saying, no, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because I've done the work for you. And I'm going to have that day where you're going to come. But it takes intention, dear people. You've got to choose this. I am going to stop working at trying to make God like me. For people to love me. To be significant and trust that you are already. You've got to trust Him. And we do that when we come to communion. When we, re, when we take the bread and we, we remember that he said on the night that he was betrayed, this is my body given for you. And he went to the cross. And just like I read earlier today, he was crushed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that gives us peace, that gives us rest, and rest and peace go together, by the way was laid upon him. In the same way after supper, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The atonement is done. It's all finished. Now, come worship me. Come follow after me because I've made your burden light. The bread and the body of Christ given for you. God bless you today. Better than that, may you enter into the rest, the blessing that God has laid up for you in Him. As you trust Him, take some time off. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming.